Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Tom Adams here for another episode of our flagship, well, I should say award-winning show for the flagship edition. And today I am joined by Schnitzel. I know we just probably are the fan favorite duo. Definitely no gloating there. It's definitely just all facts, science. You know, it's science. That's totally what it is. Uh, but we're about uh, a little bit less than 24 hours removed from Bayern Munich's relatively frustrating 1-1 draw with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Unless you live under a rock as a Bayern fan, Bundesliga fan, you know that Jan Sommer is just going to Jan Sommer every time he plays Bayern Munich. Set a record for 20 saves. Bayern had 20 shots on target. Mönchengladbach had three, so that pretty much tells the story right there. A little frustrating, but, you know, uh, as Nagelsmann has said, he thinks it was still one of our best performances of the season thus far, and hard to argue we did a lot right. Um, of course, Sadio Mane had some offside goals, uh, which is becoming a bit of a recurring thing we'll get into later. But Schnitzel, I know a little bit frustrating yesterday. Um, a lot to digest <laughs> Uh, very frustrating. I know you and I, I feel like at least a year ago, have been sitting here saying, you know, Sommer is just going to turn in a world-class performance every time he plays Bayern and then kind of uh, let up a little bit against some of the lesser Bundesliga teams. But all that said, how are you doing on this fine Sunday? I know it actually might even already be Monday where you are because you had to put up with me and my deathly slow laptop and waiting for me as usual. Yeah, it's a relief that you didn't take an entire day to start your laptop. And <laughs> I'm glad that we're actually underway with the pod. Uh, so my Sunday is going pretty well. I, I'm still hungover from the game last night, and I simply still can't process how that ended in a draw because I know that the first half, we maybe could have done a little better with some of the chances, but we had 33 shots and like 20 on target. That is a statistic that you seldom see ever in football, unless it's like, I don't know, PSG against athlete's foot or something like that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but like, seriously, I have no clue how we did not score more. And obviously, the answer might be as simple as Jan Zomer. And I've, I'm i not sure if you listen to I Need No Names post-game podcast. I listened to it and... He sounded so depressed. And honestly, man, yesterday when I was watching the game, I was screaming internally every time Zoma made a save or the referee got a decision wrong. And I'm not sure if you saw that video of like Joshua Kimmich trying to help Marcus Duram up when he was down on the on, on the pitch. And the ref just yes. dishes out a yellow card for no reason. And I was like, what blasphemy is this? What on earth yeah. is going on? Everything yeah, I mean, you, you could tell Gladbach yesterday. was uh, trying to milk every opportunity they could to just cut the momentum of us getting. It would pretty much be, you know, uh, 90 seconds of possession followed by a chance on target or winning a corner kick. So Gladbach were doing everything they could to break that up. Yeah. And then also just the short no clip of just uh, hitting the deck. Uh, or, you know, crouching over yeah. and then smashing the uh, the pitch because he was so frustrated. And, the, you know, the slow-mo uh, image of him to the fourth official, like looking in his in his eyes, like right at his face. Yeah, There were definitely some <laughs> dodgy decisions. Like I, I tweeted yesterday, yeah. I don't think uh, Zane could buy a foul. And I thought he got fouled probably five, six times and none of them were called. Or maybe one of them was called. And yeah. he still uh, popped up with, uh, it, you know, the all-important goal for us. I mean, nothing against Gladbach here and I don't, I'm not trying to be like offensive or whatever but Gladbach really played like one of those scumbag La Liga sides yesterday. It was it was like facing, I don't know Peak Sevilla or Villarreal or even Atletico Madrid all over again. They yeah, did I mean, 
I mean, we didn't make them bunker in their own half for most of the game, but they were like doing an excellent job of milking every single touch, glance, and even even if you like breathed on a Gladbach player's face, they would like <laughs> clutch their faces and just fall down and start squirming. You know, maybe right? uh, Farka and gave it was uh, Simeone to watch. a call <laughs> and asked them, "Hey, yeah, can I borrow some of these tactics for the Allianz Arena?" Or even Nico Kovac. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, he has a lot of these you know, coaches to draw inspiration from. That being said, I think Marcus Johan and Kouadio uh, Kone were especially good on that regard. They yeah. milked every opportunity. And at, at a certain point, I was sure that a Bayern player was going to get sent off. Like I was almost certain because that's how the game was heading. The ref was just getting too trigger happy with the yellows. He was dishing them out at every opportunity and it was looking very bad for Bayern. But I wouldn't blame the coach at all. I think... Nagelsmann set the team up to win, and they looked so impressive from the beginning. We did not let Gladbach get out of their own box. That's how dominant Bayern was to start the game. And I genuinely thought this was going to be another blowout. But, you know, luck was not on our side as well. Upa Makano has been stellar throughout the season. And he had like one blooper, and I feel so bad for him. I feel so bad for him because now the fans are back to bashing the upa fart thing again and yeah i, I mean feel so sorry because the one thing it's... i mean it looked like he was trying schnitzel i mean he was probably just inside of his own half it looks like he was trying to one hit it back to neuer i mean maybe that's a, a little bit more plausible with a keeper like neuer who's well off his line but it def- definitely seemed like it was the wrong decision there you know luca hernandez was within range too but yeah, I mean, I agree. Exactly. Upa Makan has been so solid. The growth is there. He's been one of our best performers this season in defense, um, if not the entire squad. I mean, it's hard to look at defense when we've scored so many goals already. But yeah, I agree. He's been he's been solid. Rare hiccup, and don't let that stain uh, his reputation from this season. Uh, I hope all. this just gives him additional motivation to perform even better in the coming games. Because oh, hundred percent, he could really use that in the Champions League group stages. Yeah, which is a nice way to bring us to the next topic of discussion. Oh, yeah. It's had some juicy, juicy draw results. And now, Schnitzel, did yeah. you pull an Oliver Kahn and did you chuckle and are people now uh, lambasting you for it? Or did you take it a little bit more uh, uh, <laughs> diplomatically? I was actually very pissed that we got Barcelona again. And for for people who have listened to the reactions pod, you may know that I wasn't very happy with the results, but I didn't really get to express my full spectrum of emotions because we generally want to keep it, you know, PG-13 or even, <laughs> I don't know, uh, suitable for kids in here. But yeah, that being said, I, 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 I really had to hold myself back from, you know, cussing on the other pod. And the reason is that UFA's uh, draws are getting super predictable these days. Yeah. It's like they're trying so hard to get a storyline. I'm not sure. See, the conspiracy theorist in me says that there is something you know going on here because it's so convenient that Haaland faces Dortmund, his previous club. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Bayern Munich has to face Barcelona just after Lewandowski traded places. Yeah. And Redrid gets to face Shakhtar Donetsk every season. Like, how does that happen, man? It's almost like they're a better love story than Twilight. At least it wasn't the point. mighty, uh, the mighty sheriff who gave uh, Real Madrid a good run. For oh them. yeah, <laughs> they beat the champions. They beat the champions. I, mean, I was not I was surprised. Say that. <laughs> I was surprised that they did not get like Maccabi Haifa or something. But that being said, uh, I feel, I mean, it's Real Madrid, so they did also beat some really top teams last season. 
So yes. my, my, my bottom line is that uh, it certainly feels like there's something, you know, going on here. And I'm just annoyed that we have, we are having to face Barcelona once again, and I'm kind of bored of this fixture. And Schnitzel, and I, I feel like uh, because... in our Slack channel, you said you called. I'm pretty sure it was you. You had said we were probably going to get Inter as well. You were saying that you could feel I, it. I said that I wanted us to get uh, Liverpool, Inter, and I, I'm, I was sure that we were getting Inter for some reason. And when I saw <laughs> Inter getting out of pot three, I, yeah, it's it's just me and predictions, man. I have this thing going on this yeah, season. As people have been paying to, attention. You know, the four, the the four triple two, some of our goal scorers, the defense, the back injury. three. You know, and now the Champions League draw. I mean, I don't know what you're eating for breakfast or what the hell you're doing, but yeah, you've been on a roll. <laughs> you forgot the Goretzka injury as well. Yes, that too. That too. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. I know we both have a uh, similar culinary taste, but I don't know. You got to give me the secret. I know. Maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe it's as simple as a Neuer banana, which we might touch base on later. But whatever it is, <laughs> I'm, I'm for I'm sure. All ears. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, what are your reactions on our Champions League opponents and what do you think is going to happen I in think, the group stages? I think it's a good balance. I agree that, like, it, there's always something dodgy going on with UEFA. Like, of course, the two main strikers from the Bundesliga, probably the two biggest moves of the summer with Lewandowski to Barcelona, Erling Haaland to Manchester City, who just scored a hat-trick yesterday. That got us first one and like it's just absolutely terrible that I don't have him in fantasy because that's the biggest mistake thus far and of course Liverpool win 9-0 Salah does nothing when I have him captain so that that pretty much sums that up but the odds of that happening felt like it were super low uh even even with the uh the pot seedings and where all of the teams were in the different pots and the rules you know where you can't get drawn to a team from the same league uh in the group stages and whatnot but so with it's it's just one of those things where you know uh, even if you're a league winner, uh, which Bayern Munich always is pretty much, and you're in that first pot, you're still going to face some heavy hitters. And you're, you're, I feel like your, your chances and the odds are a little bit lower that you're going to get a cakewalk group. And honestly, that's not really something I want. I would want our team firing on all cylinders um, and you know facing some tough competition. And the reality is I have every confidence that we will get out of that group. And it's just interesting because, you know, you're looking at, at face value. One of Bayern Munich, Barcelona, or Inter Milan is going to be out of this competition in the group stages, and they won't be a part of the knockout. So that's just like kind of, to me, like a very mouth-watering subplot. But I don't think there's any reason to believe, especially with the attack that we have, that we can't beat any of these teams. I don't too, know too much about Victoria Pelzinen, but as Hassan Salihamidzic kind of reiterated, you know, it's not something we can look past. You know, I'm sure as Bayern fans, we all remember our uh, FC Rostovs um, of, from a couple seasons ago where we weren't able to get it there. Um, I can remember being away in Lokomotive Moscow where a Kimmich volley bailed us out Me. from a relatively embarrassing result. So th th even that, you can't overlook. And to me, this is just a typical Bayern Champions League group. Um, one or two heavy hitters in the group and then yeah. a team on paper that we should beat but will be tricky. Uh, and that's exactly how I see it panning out. So... And, I mean, everything's going to happen in nine weeks, Schnitzel, because of the uh, Winter World Cup break. So that's going to be the key, the tactical adjustments, you know, the rotations and having the depth in the squad, which I think we've done very well with, uh, with everybody we've brought in this summer. So I think we're very well poised. So I have every bit of confidence. Absolutely. I know that you and I are like team optimism. But honestly, 
um, especially being someone who saw a lot of Mane at Liverpool and then seeing Mane now and the way our attack has worked without a, a natural number nine, like every bit of confidence in the world. We are very well set up to score lots of goals in the Champions League. And that's what gets you through in that competition. 100%. 100%. And also, uh, I would like to remind you that we faced Pilsen before, and this was under Pep Guardiola. This was in the 2013-14 season in Champions League group stages. Right, And right. we beat them 6-0. Yeah. It was, a, it was a game to remember. And to be very frank, uh, and no disrespect to Victoria Pilsen whatsoever, I don't think they're going to cause Bayern any troubles. I think... We would hope I not. mean. Logic, logic would tell me that they should finish fourth in the group because of how strong the other sides are. But there's yeah. also a part of me that hopes that maybe Inter or Barcelona would falter against Victoria Pilsen and maybe even end up making it easier for us to grab that number one spot. Because, yes. you know, despite all these big games, sometimes when these big clubs falter against the smaller sides, it's more convenient for the other members of the group to take advantage of that situation. Oh, 100%. And uh, also, nothing against Liverpool whatsoever, right? <laughs> but because you're a Liverpool fan and because I love bringing Liverpool into like every single discussion, I just want to say that I was hoping Liverpool ended up in our group in the Champions League. And it's not only because Liverpool's form was like terrible before the Bournemouth game, which in in all honesty, they were. Like it was... Yeah. Pathetic, honestly. And I know you were <laughs> crying after every single game. I know that. I know. I don't want to mention anguished. Liverpool too much. I yeah. know some people get irritated with that, but I mean, obviously, yeah, this yeah, season, yeah. there's that direct correlation there with Mane. And it, it just, it is a very interesting dynamic and, to see how much we've missed him in, in Liverpool and how much he's been flying uh, at Bayern thus far. The reason I wanted Liverpool is because, number one, they're, they were at this stage, or rather, are still at this phase, where they're not at their strongest. As a squad, and of course, they're getting into terms with the new signings, integrating players, and all that. And I also believe that they'll be a very good test in the group stages because Liverpool versus Bayern is always a mouthwatering fixture. And I would like to see Nagelsmann being tested again with a very, very strong gig and pressing team, a team that employs similar tactics to that of Bayern's. And the struggle of facing strikers like Darwin Nunez, who is a very, very, very good striker and he's tall and imposing and might cause problems for defenders like Upa Makano if he doesn't get a red card in the first 20 minutes, that is. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Luis Diaz, who has been phenomenal this season. I think he's, say, I think I might be right in saying that he's been your best player, right, this season? Probably. Uh, had another brace yesterday. Would have been a hat-trick, but exactly. one of the goals was kind of an old goal from uh, Bournemouth's uh, Mepham, or Mepham, if I'm saying his name right, but it was a beautiful cross to yeah. Luis Diaz. Yeah. So yeah, I think that make, takes so... him to either three or four on the season. And just carrying over from hit the end-of-form season last year, like definitely, without a doubt, one of the most consistent players. Not the exact same player as Mane, but it's kind of meant to be his replacement, but hit the ground running and yeah, I mean, I think everybody was shocked by his productivity. It's rare that you get a winter signing like that, and they immediately start producing. So that was one of the reasons that I wanted Liverpool, because there'd be a stern test. And the second reason was that we simply wouldn't face them in the round of 16 if we yeah. already faced them in the group stages. So that's an added advantage at all times. And even if Bayern ended up finishing second in the group, we wouldn't face them in the in the round of 16, which is pretty nice. Semantically, so, too. I mean, I thought... I mean, I didn't even realize th- these things, the group stages, this starts. Like we have a Dapia Pokal, Bundesliga match, and then it, it's away at Inter. Like it starts. And so exactly. even from that, you know, I know it's not pr- 
too much to your point, but like we would still have uh, Liverpool itself, no Jota, no Kanate, no Matip, uh, no Thiago likely. I think he's close, no Curtis Jones. So it wouldn't be a bad time to face Liverpool, <laughs> quite honestly. As, as I mentioned, it is insane to me. Nine weeks, this the entire group stages, every single group will be uh, will be played out. I mean, that is really tight, especially for teams like Bayern, where we'll be pushing across uh, three fronts. There will be some teams in their domestic competitions mm-hmm. that will have been knocked out already. But yeah, that's insane. That is a tight window, Schnitzel. That's a lot of that's a lot of Champions League exactly. in a short window of time. But regarding the group stage result, I think I echo your sentiment. I believe that Bayern has what it takes to top the group, and I think they should do it convincingly, barring a Lewandowski masterclass because that is always on the cards. He is probably still the best striker on the planet, and I can never bet against him. So I'm actually worried at the prospect of facing him. I mean, imagine having the best player in your squad all these years, and then suddenly you have to face him, you have to devise strategies to stop him from scoring. So it's going to definitely be a challenge. But I think Nagelsmann has all the tools to sort of start for his play. And Luca Hernandez is going to be massive, I think, in this fixture, because he has to. I mean, it's just going to be interesting seeing all of those guys just go up against him. Like, oh man, a Kimmich tackle on Lewandowski. Like, just seeing... Yeah, uh, the relationships, how they're just going to quickly turn. I mean, while all these guys are very, very good friends from all the time spent together. I mean, once that whistle goes, I don't think Kimmich is going to care if it's Lewandowski or I mean, he'll he'll do whatever it takes to uh, dispossess or, or get the better of him. But that'll be very interesting to see, Not uh, let alone his reception at the audience arena, which I think is going to be very positive, um, aside from maybe a few sects of idiotic fans who will uh, be a little bit nasty. But and I, I guarantee that if he scores against us, he's not going to do anything going to be very respectful about it yeah. i'd be sh- i'd be shocked if he didn't you know just kind of put the hands up and do the whole um respect thing for a former club i'd be very shocked if he did like the x or something you know the little uh mm. the, the x thing with the tongue out and then the uh the fists together like yeah. the default the FIFA yeah. celebrations yeah. for him yeah um, but yeah i can't wait for Absolutely. that i honestly can't wait and then seeing hernandez and uh and company and Upamecano, or if it's delict who probably would have had some experience with lukaku uh, from his time in Serie A. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to see uh, Lukaku go up against those guys and a lot of mouth-watering matchups. But it, yeah, Absolutely. 100%, 100% we will get through. Yeah. Full confidence of saying that. I, I've been saying recently, I don't believe in jinxes anymore. I don't believe in bad omens. Uh, just just confidence and optimism, right? Like you got to manifest and, and will the confidence yeah. into existence. And then even still, we have that jinx protector yeah. with you know, the chicken wings on Twitter. So just unload the, uh, the jinx protector. It's also... <laughs> I feel like our, our influence, our positive influence is also rubbing off on people like Teddy, who is sounding way more optimistic these days. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I think we're doing a lot of good. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and, or maybe Brazo listens we, to yeah. us and see, and listens to the positive reinforcement and he just uh, transcends that into the squad itself. That's totally the most realistic um, map of what's happening right now. You know what? I'm 100% sure that everyone listens to, everyone on the Bayern staff listen to Bavarian Podcast Works religiously. Honestly, but it's not that like, use... far-fetched to, like, I know, uh, like, a shout-out to Lothar Mateus as well. Like, he is a very, like, it, he likes, he's likes our, liked our stuff on Twitter several times before. I know he knows we exist. Uh, there's a lot of, like, very well-known and well-reputable pundits that know we exist. And while we definitely like to joke around a lot on here and in our Slack channel, we definitely are very serious in our appreciation for that. So um, I know that we're not like a direct affiliate of the club itself. You know, we're kind of by the fans for the fans, but yeah, it is cool to know that 
Bayern and Germany people do know about us. Do Absolutely. we exactly know what their opinion is? Maybe not, but <laughs> even still, the existence uh, recognition is there. Yeah, they probably think it's all Chuck, but I guess that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Yeah, it's just got to be the good looks yeah. and then the uh, the plaudits from World Soccer Talk, you know? 100%, yeah, yeah. And yeah, before we strike way into the next uh, section, I just want to maybe call out some sort of a prediction before we move on, because like people really like to hear my predictions. I always seem to have one or two in the bag every time. I think in this, uh, in the group stages of the Champions League this season, if Muziala stays fit for a, for an extended period of time and he's able to feature in many games, he's going to eclipse Gavi and Pedri and prove to be the best young talent out there. I oh, think yeah. he's going to do that. And I'm 100%. actually quite confident because... I know, I know Gavi and Pedri are both super exciting talents, and I know Pedri just won Golden Boy last season, but Muziala, to me at least, is on another level. I agree. Yeah, now, yeah, now yeah. if someone's saying, well, Tom, you don't watch any La Liga, yes, true, there is a bias there, but I, I don't care. I really don't care. <laughs> I agree with you. I really, <laughs> yeah, I genuinely I mean, do. And I mean, there's it, something different. I mean, while I don't watch much La Liga, I do, I do, I have seen both of those players and, and Pedri and Gavi before, but uh, I think just Musial offers something different. Getting out of those tight spaces, man. Just like it doesn't matter who it is, who he's up against. I I, I have not seen a player with that ability in a very, very long time. And I, I try to draw comparisons to players. I've thought about like Aston Villa, Jack Relish, but like I feel like he was more just does the simple things, uh, kind of uh, leaves, uh, leaves the ball out there yeah. and just wins a free kick. Musiala, the goal against Wolfsburg, perfect example. He got knocked down, but he stood, he got back on his feet, muscled through, and he scored. Uh, an important goal at the time. So definitely far different. And he just gets to the, the byline way easier, gets through a number of bodies to the point where it's like on the television coverage, you can't even see him anymore because there's so much congestion. And he just like all of a sudden pops out, plays a, a little layoff, a pass, or gets a shot off. And he did that when he came on uh, yesterday and forced a couple saves out of uh, Jan Sommer and had a couple that were on, t- or not technically on frame, but very, very close to the frame of goal. So I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. And then also, too, just to kind of um, lay it out for people. So, as I mentioned, Inter away starts off the Champions League. Then it's uh, Barcelona at home. And then it's uh, Pilsenen at home, which I still don't know if I've been pronouncing that right or wrong. And then them away. It's Pilsen. Yeah. Okay. And then Barcelona away. uh, And then Inter at home, which is a – I mean, not to – you definitely want to get off on the right foot. Um, and it's probably not the most beneficial that the two strongest opponents are the two that we face first, but at least we have Barcelona at home after having Inter away. I think in a way that could be advantageous because sometimes the smaller fixtures are the ones that desire a group. So getting the bigger ones out of the way first could maybe lead us to finish the group stages in a more professional manner as opposed to maybe underestimating the smaller fixture and maybe, you know, opening ourselves to the possibility of losing points to them and then struggling against the bigger sides. So I, I don't mean, mind yeah. this. I like to get the bigger teams out of the way first. Yeah. And unfortunately, and, do uh, like a, yeah. in between so, the two uh, Pelzen and legs, I think is their classic or number one, um, which isn't great that that happens then. But again, whatever. We're going to beat whoever is put in front of us full confidence. So it doesn't necessarily matter the opponent. Opponent uh, someone has to get those tactics, tactics right, rotations right. Uh, and I think that will happen. And I think our success 
would largely also depend on whether Sadio Mane is offside or not for the goals that he scores. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to the next segment, which is Sadio Mane's offside situation. Onside Sane, like I need only mentioned, is somewhat of a mythical being these days. Just don't see Mane offside all that uh, onside all that much. And it's kind of agonizing because he is a player who can score amazing goals. He's a very clutch player. And he's already scored, I guess, is it three or four goals in the Bundesliga? I think it's three. Yeah, three goals. Yeah, in, uh, I mean, it fixtures. could be way and more. The, previous, the, pre- the fourth was in the, the, the uh, pre- Super Cup. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I mean, just the Bundesliga. And uh, if you combine everything, I, I, I heard someone say that uh, this season he has had almost six to seven goals chalked off yeah. due to being offside. Yeah, there Probably was there was that. two in the Super Cup, super concerning. two yeah. yesterday, and then I think at least one in our other uh, two matches, uh, Wolfsburg um, and uh, Bauckham. Yeah, because he had the uh, – there was the handball, which he was even humble yeah. about it. Like he knew he winked. You know, you saw the little uh, video clip of the pictures of him winking and then tapping his wrist. Uh, he, I really like the gesture. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's he, just – it's <laughs> – I get it, the scoring opportunity, but then, you know, you have a decision in the Prem like yesterday where McTominay handles it like two or three times and he, it's not a penalty. So, again, <laughs> uh, another chance for me to say I think the Bundesliga handles VAR and the decisions like way better than any other league with a little Absolutely. bit of a bias there. Um, but, yeah, um, there was at least one or two against Balkum, two against Leipzig, two yesterday. Um, and I think there was one against uh, Wolfsburg as well. And the one, the one yesterday... I really don't think uh, Elvetti and the other defender that was um, nearby uh, the situation, I really don't think they would have changed their movements if whether Zane was there or not. I thought that was a little bit of a harsh decision, but, you know, it's Mane. So if it was any other player watch, if it was like Chapo Motang or like Muziala, the goal just would have stood. I'd be like, yeah, okay, we'll give it to him. Yeah. But we got we to gotta continue this theme of disallowing Mane goals. <laughs> Yeah, so since you're our resident Liverpool expert here, uh, maybe could you, I don't know, give us some, shed some light on whether Mane has always been like this, a player very prone to getting goals called due to offsides, or is that something that he's developed more recently? Yeah, so everyone's just going to say Liverpool, of course, in the comments of this. And <laughs> we definitely, I mean, it's just like every team, you have like decisions. Like for me, um, I thought we played like absolute garbage against Man United until about like the 80th minute. But like even the Rashford goal, where they drew, drew the line seemed like really like weird. And it looked like even Man United fan friends of mine and my mom who's a Man United supporter, like they all still feel like that goal was offside. They still probably deserve to beat us four to one, three to one. But I mean, I just don't understand. It seems like they have this system uh, and even... Yesterday, I remember Archie Ryan Tut saying that there were chants um, from the the Sudkurva about, um, you know, because they were discussing and analyzing the uh, the Mane disallowed goal and just commenting on how often it's happening to him. They were they were saying that there was chance from the Sudkurva about getting rid of VAR altogether, which I didn't really realize was like a big something that was being like largely pushed by our ultras and then uh, respectively uh other Bundesliga ultras, which I found kind of interesting. But no, it definitely did not happen this much at Liverpool. And ironically enough, Liverpool had this like amazing stat of being one of the best teams in Europe at actually catching other players offside with this high line. And 
we've seen how it gets exposed, especially when Liverpool doesn't have their strongest back four available. And, you know, no discredit to Joe Gomez, but I think Kanate and Matip are just uh, much better pairs for Virgil van Dijk at the heart of defense. And you always have to compensate for Robertson and uh, Trent roaming forward, just as we have to do the same with uh, Pavard and Alfonso Davies. But um, it definitely, but, uh, I don't remember it happening as much. To be, I to honestly, be, to be honest, oh, go ahead. I think it's safe to say that Pavard has been like miles ahead of Trent this season. He has. And, and like Trent's just been lazy. Yeah. Now, and then, it's funny because you think of uh, Trent as an attacker first and like defender second, but like Pavard's the other way around, in my opinion. I know a lot of the criticism of him in the past is his inability to get forward, but look at what he's done getting forward. I mean, even if he's not getting on the score sheet, that he's pass he had for Sa- for uh, Zane yesterday, and it put uh, Zane through unbelievable. One yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just yeah. I mean, if you ever like, that's the key. If you ever own. Benjamin Pavard, or he's in your squad, just get a uh, sign a right back that's decent, and he will just start playing amazing all of a sudden. Not to say that's the chief reason, but yeah, Pavard <laughs> has been – Pavard is definitely – like, yeah. it's hard. Davies is just Davies. I feel like he's been consistent, you know, and last season was tough with a heart issue and injuries, but, like, Hernandez, Upa Meccano, uh, Pavard, they all just look like a step above than they did last season, uh, and even Delict against Balkum and uh, – Yesterday, as like an auxiliary striker, you know, looked looked effective. Almost had that volley goal, but yeah, like to. I mean, I just really don't remember this being as much of an issue uh, with Mane at Liverpool. And objectively, I think it's just kind of like luck. If you look at each individual circumstance, um, there's you know, uh, kind of stats about each individual game that would you know, Leipzig at the time were probably a bit fatigued when he had. I think both goals that were disallowed came in the second half, you know, so they were probably just playing a lazy line. So Mane by, by contrast was always kind of a a step ahead. Not really much to the specific discretion of Leipzig, but maybe just as a a side effect. And I think there's been a lot of that unlucky deflections. I really don't, it's not something that concerns me. It's just kind of like a fun little funny thing to uh, keep going on social media, but I really don't think it's much of an issue or any kind of underlying thing to say, hey, he's not paying attention to where he is. I think a lot of it's just yeah. like unlucky deflections. Like, I'm really not too worried about it, to be quite honest. But if it keeps happening, the thing is, um, it might be something that we can have a I feel conversation like we have about, options. We... Exactly. I think we and since they have so many options for the forward setup, we also have uh, Serge Gnabry, you can also play the same position. Maybe yeah. Gnabry and Zane pair up as, uh, you know, forward wingers or something, something like that. I think Mane could also be benched. No player is indispensable at Bayern. So oh, absolutely. it's possible that maybe this frustration sort of, you know, builds up. And just for a game or two, I don't know if it's going to be anything serious, but maybe like as a substitute, maybe he just needs more time to get, you know, used to the league, the pace of it all, the tempo. And I think he will get better at, at this with time. It's just a matter of getting used to it, I believe. Because oh, I, I don't think he's yeah. going to have the same problem in the Champions League. That's what I think. I think he's going to be very clutch, as usual, in the Champions League. I 100% agree. I really don't think this is going to be too much of an issue. I think it's just kind of like a one-off. Funny. And it's like, I, I, I do feel like it's just people make comments about it because it's a talking point. But I really don't see it as any kind of indictment on his positioning or anticipation or anything like that. Like, as I mentioned, objectively, you can just isolate each incident and kind of see what's going on. And uh, like yesterday was a perfect example. That was no fault of his own. He was on side. He had yeah. nothing to do with it. It's just that the fact that uh, Zane... Probably just more noticeable because of his hairdo, you know, was in the offside position. So that's a perfect example. It wasn't (laughs) him. Yes, it was a Mane disallowed goal, but it was not he who was offside. 
right? Yeah, maybe if it was yeah. uh, like Muziala or Kimmich, you know, just crouching below, it didn't get noticed as much. Maybe it would have been different. But give yeah. give the phrase give the phrase offside by a hair a whole new meaning. Yeah, offside <laughs> by a hair, but like Zane hair. So like, yeah, yeah that's like a six inch hair. <laughs> Uh, definitely, definitely not a player yeah. that's easy and to like go unnoticed in the VAR uh, video booth. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to spot him. Actually. Yeah, yep. yeah. Maybe Gnabry should also sport an afro so that they get confused between the two players. You know. Yeah. Or could, Gnabry should yeah, be like, "Hey, son, hey, let me uh, cornrow your hair again." So that's less noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think Afro Zani is better though. At least as a deadly winger, he has been so good. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, uh, so Schnitzel. Speaking of uh, Sadio Mane, obviously, amongst a handful of signings, very positive signings, I would add from this summer. He was probably one of the marquee ones. But we've been very busy this summer. I think we knew um, that it was going to be the case, especially with Lewandowski. Even towards the end of last season, had one foot in Barcelona. I mean, let's be honest. I think we all knew that this was going to happen. But Hassan Salihamidzic, especially at a time when his contract was up for renewal, was very busy, and I think a lot of Bayern fans uh, and a lot of us uh, in and around BFW, BPW would agree that he had a very productive window. And uh, I know that he's a character who often gets his fair share of critics because of signings he's made in the past. You know, obviously objectivity and a lot of things and variables that went into previous windows with COVID and you know financial losses and, and a lot of things making it more difficult for uh, previous windows. But Schnitzel, this window, he did very good. Mane, Gravenberch, Masraoui, Matthias Delict, uh, Mathis Tell. Obviously, uh, Tell has only got uh, a little bit of minutes, but not only that, the outgoing player Schnitzel. Like, we've really not only balanced the books, but what was it? You uh, uh, over a hundred million euros? Was it a hundred thirty or a hundred three million net profit from this summer's outgoing players? Yeah, it was. It was a hundred and three. It was a hundred and three million euros. General- from player sales alone excluding bonuses so we probably spent around 125 130 million combined for all the major transfers that we made this season right and by selling players and this is not including bonuses we've already generated 103 million and both brazo and the buying supervisory board believe that the rest of the money could just be made via uh merchandise sales like shirts and uh, you know other club merch, so that's yeah. pretty impressive. And it's amazing how, for the first time in forever, the Bayern board has been able to do really well on the selling front. We've been able to sell players for at least their transfer value on the market, yeah. If not a little higher than that, and the times where we haven't been able to achieve that, we have achieved a very very good buyback clause or a sell-on clause for that matter. So I think. The board has done a really good job. Yeah, and then obviously a lot of these, you know, these bonuses you mentioned, like even sometimes there's a lot of very specific, oddly specific things written into contracts, but you know, most of them have are performance based, whether it's European competition, competition with the the parent or the buying club, whether it's a loan spell or a, uh, a direct permanent sale. Um, how many goals they score, how many minutes they get, how often they're featuring, uh, whatnot, how much they contribute, and then how much of it gets kicked back to us based off of certain contracts and the clauses. But yeah, hats off to Brazo. It's obviously not only him involved in all the transfers. Uh, Oliver Kahn, Herbert Hinder, 
Uh, obviously, work in concert with him and the supervisory board can be consulted for decisions, especially with big money transfers. I think we still have that kind of clause uh, written in the bylaws for for Bayern's boards where if a transfer exceeds a certain amount, there does have to be consultation with the supervisory board. I know Oliver Kahn is kind of trying to revolutionize uh, Bayern's front office and the way it works, but especially for a man who's up for a contract renewal schnitzel, uh, I think it's by all accounts reports are suggesting he is definitely 100% going to get that renewal. And um, just to toss this question to you, I know many of these transfers have been uh, in view of looking at looking towards the client for years. And Aside from the money transfer, obviously he's 30 now and he uh, will be uh, 31, I think, towards the beginning of next year. I'm not exactly sure about that. You might know better. But uh, mm-hmm. with with respect to the other signings he's made, they're all very young players. Matty Stell, sorry, Matty Tell, uh, <laughs> Matthias Delict, and uh, the other players. I mean, uh, Mazrawi is 24 as well, so... Really, really good signings. Ravin Bersh, how can I ever forget him? Just 20 years old. Just super, super signing. And uh, I think Brazos had a great window. He completely deserves this contract. And I also believe that he is going to have even better uh, windows in the future. Not in terms of spending, not in terms of Makri signings. But I think he's going to do his usual thing of uh, identifying talent at a very early stage. uh, Getting them for cheap developing them, nurturing them, and either making them uh, a first-team player or selling them off for high profits, which is a very good business model. Yeah, 100%. I have to agree with you. And for all of the criticism that Salia Hamadic gets, as I mentioned earlier, I think, especially in recent windows past, there are so many variables working against him. Um, Not to mention uh, managerial changes, like he can't necessarily control who the manager is, what that manager is doing with certain players and players that he's helped bring in. Uh, I know that there's oftentimes been some uh, budding heads between Niko Kovac and Hasan Salihamidzic, Hansi Flick, Hasan Salihamidzic, not quite seeing eye to eye on certain transfer targets. But with Nagelsmann and uh, Salihamidzic, at least thus far, um, the cohesion really seems to be there. The agreement seemed to be there. And Nagelsmann is getting the players he wants to get, especially with this window. Um, so there really can't be too much complaints, especially with the way things have started. Obviously, the season is a marathon and not a sprint, as we all know. So we can't get too carried away, as you have mentioned on previous podcasts with the positive uh, start to the season. And obviously, uh, yesterday is a prime example. We will run into those little roadblocks while it's not a loss. Definitely uh, very frustrating for uh, Bayern fans uh, for us to digest the fact that Jan Sommer just decided to break a Bundesliga record against us. It seems like he's always in the mood to do so when he faces us uh, with uh, Minchin Gladbach. But, you know, that's kind of aside from the fact. I think we can all agree but I'm not how too, positive. I'm not worried about that result. Yeah. I'm not too worried about that result because at the end of the day, we required uh, Bundesliga history to be rewritten and also for you know, the referee to have pretty much 70, 80% of the 50-50 uh, fouls being called against us. So, yeah, I mean, so many things went against us, including the luck as well. And I think Jan Zomer played a massive role. So I'm not buying too much into this. Nagelsmann has been doing really well with the team so far. And if it takes a team to park a bus for 90 minutes against us inside their own half, 
and their goalkeeper to have a, to stop us, then I believe that Bayern are in good hands. They're doing really well, and they're set to have a really good season. Yeah, it's as simple I, as that. And I trust Nagelsmann. You know, I know we spoke about this off air a little bit, but I, you know, we're gonna face this. Uh, from other teams. Other teams are going to park the bus against us. We're going to have to work very hard to break down those lines and, and get through compact lines, compact defenses, you know, utilize those half spaces as you've been such an advocate of speaking about recently, Schnitzel. And, you know, I trust Nagelsmann to get those uh, tactical adjustments right. You know, I think yesterday was a little bit of a fluke with the fact that, it, as you said, took Bundesliga history to keep us from getting maximum points at home. But, you know, even if it's uh, using Matthias Delict as an auxiliary striker, as we saw towards the latter stages of that match, um, getting those uh, adjustments right uh, is Nagelsmann's job. Um, and, and speaking of tactics, Schnitzel, I know that uh, not uh, against München Gladbach, but uh, against uh, Valafel Bochum, you know, the 7-0 routing that we had of them last weekend, there was a little bit of uh, some tactical masterclass from Manuel Neuer that I know you wanted to uh, to bring up real quickly. So I'll kind of let you take the floor, introduce that, and we can offer our commentary on that. So regarding the uh, Banana Gate fiasco <laughs> that happened in that game, it's not uh, much of a fiasco. It's more of, you know, something ingenious, I would say, on Neuer's part. And, I mean, have you ever... I've never heard of a goalkeeper to like, eat something in the middle of a game. Basically... Neuer just being Neuer, you know, just chilling out, having a good time uh, between the posts, just taking a small break to kind of revamp his uh, energy store reserves. And we already have an uh, article on that uh, in Berlin Football Works. For those of you who haven't checked it out, please do. It's just, uh, I guess, Neuer using that banana for possibly good juju, getting it delivered by a substitute, no less. And uh, he consumes it, and then he puts in an amazing performance for the class as well. And uh, since you're a stickler for nutrition yourself, you know that bananas are an excellent source of energy. And yes. uh, over, I mean, they're they're pretty they're they're very good for workouts as well. Of goalkeepers, uh, you know, it's very easy to take like electrolyte gels and stuff. You know, they always have their water bottles there um, with a little towel kind of attached to the goal. Um, they have their little routines there, but yeah, especially banana. Um, and I didn't initially realize that it was like peeled and delivered by someone. I was going to say with those massive goalkeeper gloves, how the hell do you even peel a banana? That would have been the most impressive part. You know, it reminds me of uh, the scene from Anchorman, which is one of my favorite uh, comedy movies where uh, Ron Burgundy gets <laughs> home and his dog is just like, you know, Baxter. He just barks and apparently uh, Ron Burgundy can understand him. He's like, you ate a whole wheel of cheese? And he's like, I'm, I'm not even mad. He's like, I'm impressed. That's <laughs> kind of like uh, the same thing. Like it, before you had explained it, I do remember yeah. Chuck writing the article. I didn't uh, like read every little detail of it. But yeah, the fact that you mentioned it was delivered um, by a, a substitute player or or whatever behind the goal. Like I was like picturing Neuer trying to peel a banana. Like it's like somehow I'm like, is there a clip of that? Like him trying to peel a banana with his massive goalkeeper gloves and just like struggling and then eventually getting it or like asking someone to do it for him. But yeah, obviously the potassium, the electrolytes, very good source of keeping the muscles from getting cramps and from lactic, too much lactic acid to build up. Not to say that um, Neuer had too much to do in that match. I'm sure he was getting a little bored uh, with uh, the lack of activity, but you know, you have to be ready for those back passes and, you know, a sweeper keeper coming off of his line. You want to have loose I muscles. You don't want to have too much lactic acid. I think he predicted. Yeah, I think he predicted that he would have to make a lot of 
game-saving saves in the second half, and he did make two of those. That was super brilliant. So I think this is uh, Manuel Neuer masterclass, and I wouldn't be surprised. Again, this is for more Nagelsmann propaganda. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the coach who was behind all this. Yeah. The coach probably made the substitute hand-deliver the peeled banana to Neuer because he knew that he would have to use that energy to come up with those incredible saves. Yeah. And if you ever watched, you know, like uh, just just to spout it off, uh, uh, shout out to Samrin, who's our our resident Arsenal fan. Their documentary is out on Amazon Prime. If you ever pay attention, it you know, it's just basic uh, chemistry and biology uh, and from a performance based standpoint. If you ever look in the dressing room when they're coming in at halftime, there's plenty of scenes. They've got bananas, uh, Lucasade, which I don't know if they have that where you are. It's very popular in the EU, in the UK, the UK mostly. Schnitzel, basically just electrolytes, glucose, sodium, potassium, all this stuff you would need uh, for a soccer match, especially when you're when you're playing outside, uh, especially in the heat. You know, you're, you're, it, you're, yeah. yeah, your body doesn't, um, especially in the high heat, high heat index, your body doesn't dispose of the sodium and the potassium in the right way. Uh, and you need to add those things yeah. so that you don't get gassed too much, muscle cramps, muscle fatigue, uh, dehydration. So, so pretty you know. much some sort of an oral rehydration solution, right? Yeah. Not to say that uh, Neuer was getting dehydrated, but obviously, as we know, uh, I know it gets much harder where you are, Schnitzel, so you're probably thinking everyone else is a bunch of babies, but yeah, the EU heat wave, uh, as well as the UK (laughs) that recently struck through, and you know, Neuer is one of those players. I'm pretty sure they definitely offer short sleeve goalkeepers kits, but uh, Neuer is one of those players who doesn't seem to ever opt for it. Um, So yeah, it probably was uh, pretty damn hot there. Out here, out here, if you have someone fainting in a football game, it's just another normal day. It's just, you know, just give him some ORS. Just get him up and going. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Nothing nothing much. To <laughs> Crack see, open the uh, sniffing salt or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> just get on with it. <laughs> just just stop spending too much time on the grass. Yeah. Stop being, stop stop, being such a wimp. Stop yeah. ta- time wasting. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. That would probably be me because uh, hashtag English Tom, like my ideal conditions would be overcast a little bit misty so that you really slide when you when you slide tackle maybe not uh playing at the britannia whatever the hell it's called now stokes venue uh, on a cold wet tuesday night but english hashtag english time ideal conditions overcast um and for our european okay, metric listeners you know uh, maybe like anywhere from like 10 to like 15 degrees celsius yeah, now you're starting to sound like James Rodriguez. I'm just gonna stop you there, okay? Oh man, that man needs like twenty-two point two two seven four six degrees centigrade and fifty-eight percent relative humidity <laughs> and uh, probably a topography of like fifty-seven degrees or something. Just wants all these ideal conditions: a grass height of like three inches, or else he just tanks. I think oh, <laughs> it, are you ready it can't for this? be any more specific than that. Are you ready yeah. for this, Schnitzel? So the grass works. I can do Jurgen Klopp. Uh, the pitch was dry. The ball didn't move the right way. The lads uh, we couldn't make the right passes. So, yeah, that, that was there. <laughs> there you go. I think it was uh, Fulham. That was brilliant, bro. Fulham. Wow. Fulham, he that said was... that. He okay. actually said that, for, you know, in a lot of Premier League. Um, for all the people like, listening the to the podcast, for all the people listening to this podcast, we want to let us want you to let us know in the comments whether you want a specific segment dedicated for in every single podcast for uh, Tom Adams mimicry 
an impression <laughs> of probably Jurgen Klopp. If he can do other impressions, that would be great as well. We would love to see more of this. Could you maybe try one of, I don't know, some other person like Pep Guardiola would be pretty nice, you know? Oh, just that's for the tough. Laughs. That's <laughs> tough. And maybe I know Mikel Arteta yeah. because... You just have uh, to keep scratching your nose. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Mikel Arteta, because I've been watching that documentary. Mourinho, uh, definitely. I just, I love the clip about uh, Balotelli. He's like, when I was with Inter, Mario, I say, do not, if someone provoke you, challenge you, react, nothing, nothing. You're on the yellow. I cannot replace <laughs> you. I have no one on the bench. Milito's hurt. Uh, whoever, you know, whoever else is hurt. 46 minutes, red card. He's <laughs> like, I could write a book about that. <laughs> One of the greatest clips ever. That is brilliant, man. Wow. That was like around okay, the era, awesome. unfortunately, when they beat us in the Champions League final way back when. <laughs> uh, let's not talk about it. Let's yeah. not talk about it. What let's are you not... talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it definitely yeah. didn't happen. Only 2013 and 2020 final. happened. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I like that idea. Like, if so, definitely guess, someone can challenge me with an impression. We should do that. We should do that for sure. <laughs> I think uh, we have discussed quite a lot of topics today. I think we should wrap the pod up now. This has been pretty awesome. I agree. Thank you, Tom, for joining me. And I hope you all enjoyed the podcast as well. Make sure you give us your feedback in the comments. and the clip of your feedback on any alien language of your choice we might yes. try and hire a translator to sort of do the translating for us and maybe send you some reviews or some comments of our own so <laughs> thank you so much for joining us once again and uh please 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 keep the feedback and support coming we love it all and thank you so much once again we'll be joining you shortly with another podcast i think it's a preview of our next uh Bundesliga game. I think we've already covered the Victoria Köln preview. Samuel has done that. So it should be, I guess, Fatabalen, is it? I think it's Fatabalen. Uh, so, it might be uh, anyways. Union, but yeah, I think you're right. It's Union, my bad. Coming back with a preview <laughs> of Union Berlin. Anyways, thank you so much for listening and bearing with us. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen. See you next time, guys.